0: Well, this morning, we're wrapping up our look at the miracle at Cana of Galilee. And as we visit this passage one last time, I want to look at just the fact of miracles, the fact that there is such a thing. You know, there's some people these days that don't believe in miracles. Uh, it's just beyond me that they can't, just because I've seen the Lord perform so many in my own life. But it's, it reminded me of the story of a young man in college that was reading the Bible. And I was reading along, he just said, amazing. And this liberal college professor heard him, and uh, he said, what's amazing? He said, it says here that uh, the people of Israel got to the to the Red River, and there wasn't any way for them to get across. And Pharaoh's army was behind them. And that God just parted the Red Sea and let them go across on dry ground. And the professor said, that's not amazing. there was. You need to understand, there's no such thing as miracles. At that time, there was a drought going on and the water was only three inches deep. And so there was no miracle they were able to get across that way. And he said, the young man said, oh, and he went on reading and he said, amazing. And the professor said, what's amazing now? He said, Pharaoh's entire army drowned in three inches of water. (laughs) Well, the thing is, if you go to the place where they determined determined that the uh, water was parted, you know what you'll find if you dig deep enough into the floor? You'll find remnants of chariots left over from Pharaoh's army. They have found them. That biblical account has been proven to be true. And just about any time you find an incident in the Bible, as much as people try to disprove it, they usually wind up proving it instead of disproving it. And there have been several men that have set out to disprove the credibility of the Bible who have come to faith as they discovered it is one of the most uh, historical books that they found And to one of the most true uh, books that they found and that all those things that people have been trying to discount and all, they are so. And so we need to realize that, yeah, Jesus really did turn water into wine. He did cause the lame to walk. He caused the blind to see. He caused the deaf to hear. He performed miracles. And the miracles didn't stop happening when Jesus returned to heaven. They still happen today. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, in my own life, I've shared with you, many of you heard my story before. There was a time in my life when I didn't want to believe in miracles, because if the miracles in the Bible were true, if there really was a God, that meant I was going to have to stop having my fun. Because everything that I thought was fun was sinful. And sometimes I'd ask myself, why is it that everything I think, everything I think is going to make a life worth living is killing me? And I said, now, I saw my own lifestyle did not make sense. It was idiotic in and of itself. But the thing is, I could not bring myself to say there is no God because of something that happened back when I was about six years old. And I wound up in the hospital uh, with a running fever every day. And the doctors couldn't find out what was wrong with me. They sent me back home. And I just feel bad and start running a fever every afternoon. And shortly after I got back out from the hospital, um, I was listening to the radio. And there was a preacher. I was waiting for my shows to come on, like the Lone Ranger and the Green Hornet and uh, the Shadow and all of those old-timey radio programs that would come on. And they'd come on every morning at a certain time, except one morning, I don't know, I still don't know which morning it was, a preacher would come on before my shows would come on. And I'd have to listen to this preacher. I didn't want to leave because i if I left and came back, I might miss my show. So I would endure his message. And here I am back from the hospital at the close of his message. He says, now, if any of you are sick this morning and you're sitting there by your radio, I want you to put your hand on the radio as a point of contact. And I'm going to pray for you. And God's going to heal you. Now, I was a little kid, didn't know any better. So I just believed him, and I was thinking, hey, he's talking to me. I'm sick. So I went over, put my hand on the radio, and he prayed, and all of a sudden, it was like electricity just came through that radio, up my arm, through my entire body, and all of a sudden, I felt great. All the lethargy, all of the tiredness, it was all gone. And I was so happy to be well. Never had that problem again. And later, I tried to convince myself that this was psychosomatic, that uh, it was just a power of suggestion. But deep down, I knew God heard the prayer of faith, the simple trust. I oh, a little boy, and he responded to that faith, and I was made whole. And so I couldn't deny the existence of God because of what he had done for me. And that is one of the reasons why God still performs miracles today. One of the main reasons he does them is to get your attention, and he'll do that for believers and unbelievers. He'll do it a lot for those people that are teetering on the brink that don't know and are wondering, is there really a God or not? My friend Reuben Monmouth had so very, very successful pediatrician had uh, several uh, clinics going, pediatric clinics going and wound up in trouble with the IRS and all sorts of other things going wrong in his life. And he lost a contact lens, couldn't afford to buy another one and couldn't treat patients until he found it. He looked and looked. He had lost in the bathroom. He looked all over the bathroom. He would spend he spent three days in every moment that he could on his floor looking around in this bathroom. Wouldn't let the kids. Wouldn't let anybody in that bathroom until he found that contact lens. He looked and looked and finally he just gave up. And in just despondency, not knowing if there was a God or not, but remembering his grandma had told him that God was there and God would help him. He just, in desperation, just said, God, if you're real, let me know. And he just looked down and he caught a glint on the floor and it was his contact lens. Now, some people would say that was coincidence. Some people would say no connection. It was just totally coincidence. But that moment, whenever Reuben Monmouth picked up that contact lens after he'd gotten to the end of his rope and nothing was working. And when he cried out to God, God answered him. There was no questioning for him. What other people might try to explain away is what were the odds of that happening? Spoke to his heart and let him know there was a God. He was there. He was listening. He does it. He got Reuben's attention and Reuben wound up ultimately well, being a pastor uh, and, uh, and was a very good pastor, I must say, dear friend of mine. Uh, there's so many different times that God will try to get your attention and he will get and he will use miracles to confirm who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. And that's what he did with this miracle at Cana of Galilee. It says actually in the scripture, uh, let me see if I can get to it again. In the second chapter there, it says, uh, this beginning of his signs, these miracles were called signs. They pointed to Jesus. They explained who he was to those who were willing to receive him. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him because of this sign they began to understand who Jesus was now Peter before God had already gotten his attention if you'll recall Jesus was teaching one day he was preaching and he asked uh, uh, Peter if he could use his boat as a platform and so he preached from uh, Peter's boat and after he was through He told Peter to uh, launch out. Let's catch some fish. And so uh, then Peter told him, Lord, we've been fishing all day. We fished all night. We couldn't catch anything. But that's what you want to do. We'll do it. So they go out in the boat. And Jesus says, cast your nets over here. Peter, in obedience, cast his net. And they wound up pulling in so many fish they had to call other boats to come help them haul them in. And then Peter looked at this man standing there in the boat with him. I wonder what kind of look Jesus had on his face at that time. Do you think he was grinning? Or do you think he was just looking at Peter and saying, Okay, buddy, what are you going to do about this? What, have you ever wondered what kind of look Jesus had on his face? I don't think it was a scowl, you know. I think it was at least a tender look. Peter needed fish to live. He tried. He couldn't succeed. And doing the same thing in obedience to Jesus, something phenomenal happened. And all of a sudden, Peter knew in whose presence he was. And he fell down before him in the boat and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Later... I don't know how many of you ever heard the story about the preacher tax. Have Y'all ever heard the story about the preaching tax later? Jesus asked Peter, uh, do they pay you? Is it was, how much is the tax? How much is the preaching tax for this town? And he told him how much it was. And uh, is it okay? I want you to go to the, to the river and cast out a line and catch a fish. And whenever you pull that fish in, You'll find that much money in that fish's mouth. And I want you to go and pay our preaching tax with that money. Peter obeyed. And whenever he pulled the fish out, there in the fish's mouth was the money that they needed to pay the preaching tax. Now, if that doesn't get your attention, but see, somebody would try to say, oh, that was just a coincidence. That fish just picked, Yeah, the fish. But look at the timing. And this is just it. Uh, with miracles, many times it's hard to see them because they just seem so natural. Sometimes miracles are just supernaturally natural. Most of them are. I guess one of the most supernatural uh, miracles that I hear about in the Bible was Philip. Whenever he was in one place evangelizing and all of a sudden, he was, the Bible says he was translated He was in one place doing something. The next thing you know, it was like he was teleported to the side of this road just as this Ethiopian eunuch was coming by in a wagon. And uh, he was reading Isaiah and he couldn't understand what was being said. And so Peter explained, I mean, so Philip explained to this Ethiopian eunuch uh, what was going on and how this passage in Isaiah referred to Jesus, and all of a sudden, that uh, Ethiopian eunuch was converted and baptized and became a follower of Christ. But the, the, the miraculous thing was, you see, Philip was doing something, one thing, and then just like something out of Star Trek, he was moved from one place to another just like that. That was one of the most miraculous things as far as how do you explain that, unless we are going to find teleport anyway, you know, you know. The thing is, there are just so many different accounts of things like that, and all of them have a purpose. Every one of them has a purpose. The purpose at that point was probably twofold. First of all, for Philip to realize God's power in his life was far beyond he could ever think or imagine. And also, God needed someone to save that eunuch. That eunuch needed to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. A more modern day version of that is whenever Smith Wigglesworth was visiting with some friends in England, in London, and all of a sudden he stopped and he said, I have to go to the corner of so-and-so and so-and-so. And And his friends just looked at themselves and said, well, uh, Smith, we'll take you. So they load him up in in their buggy. This is back in the 1800s. And they uh, rode him out to this this crossroads that's kind of out on the edge of town. And uh, there was a knoll, a grassy knoll there. And he gets out of the buggy and he goes up and he sits down on that knoll. And out of the woods to one side of this knoll, this hiker comes out of the woods, walks up this hill. Smith speaks to him. He speaks to Smith. The guy sits down and Smith opens up his Bible. And the next thing you know, they get up, they shake hands. The guy goes off on the other side and the guy had received Jesus as Lord and Savior. That was just the point in time when, when, when he was receptive and God wanted someone there when he was receptive to him to be there to share the gospel with him. Now, he didn't teleport Smith there. He had to ride in a buggy. But Smith was so in tune with the Lord that when the Lord spoke to him, he heard and he obeyed. And so God had someone in London at that point in time that he could send to that place. Now, what did that hiker experience? All he experienced was a guy sitting on top of a hill that had the answers to his questions And it was all just brought together, you see. And this is just it. Sometimes it just looks like it's just a natural event. I've shared with you the time that I just prayed, said, God, have you forgotten about me? And a minute and a half later, pulled a mailer out of the mailbox and opened it up. And there was a little plaque with a nail scarred hand. And the message on the plaque was, see, I haven't forgotten you. I've carved you in the palms of my hands. Some people would say, coincidence. To me, God spoke through a plaque. I don't know if he caused that plaque to just materialize in that mailer, or if he moved someone three days before to send it. It had no return address on it, and you couldn't tell. It had a a postage mark on it, but you couldn't tell where it was mailed from. But uh, the thing is, was that a coincidence? No, not to me. It was just a natural conversation with God. And he will use whatever it takes to get your attention. Generally, there's also a point of need whenever a miracle takes place. When I was a little boy, I needed healing. Whenever I was a, a grown man and preaching and thinking I had just totally missed it, I needed encouragement. And they happen at different times for different things. But let me tell you, they do happen. Now then, they confirm that he is the son of God. They get your attention. Three kinds of people that we see in the Bible that witness Jesus' miracles. There are those who see them take place. They believe and they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. They are disciples. Then there are others who reject what they see. They won't believe it even when they see it with their own eyes. Like the, the man born blind that received his sight. And the scribes and the Pharisees wouldn't believe him. And finally he just said, well, you know, I tell you what, I don't know who this guy is. But I do know this. I Once I was blind but now I can see, but they refused to believe, even though they knew that this guy, they tried to say this was his twin. He didn't really, they they tried every way in there that they could to discredit it, but they couldn't, but they still refused to believe. There were people in Nazareth who saw this miracle take place. There were people in Nazareth that saw other miracles and had heard about the miracles. And yet when he came back to his hometown to preach, they wouldn't believe who he was and tried to murder him. So there are those that receive. There are those who intentionally just refuse to believe. And then there are others. It says that they believed, but they refused to acknowledge who he was because of their fear of the scribes and the Pharisees. They believed who Jesus was, but they wouldn't acknowledge him. They wouldn't confess him. They wouldn't be his disciple because they were afraid of what other people might think. Every one of you here today are in one of those three categories. Some of you have seen and you have believed And you have uh, uh, experienced that life that miracles are supposed to bring to you. In fact, John says this of his gospel in John uh, 20, 30, and 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you, talking about you sitting right here, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You have received, you have believed, and you know what it's like to have life in his name. There's some of you that you've just been so full of doubt and so full of questions that you just uh, refuse to believe. And you one some sometimes you can be afraid to believe because it might mess up your good time. And then there's some of you that you haven't given yourself to the Lord, even though you know he's real, you know who he is, and you know what he wants, but you're afraid of what other people might think if you gave yourself to him. To those of you who receive believe, it's wonderful, isn't it? To those of you who don't believe, he's trying to get your attention this morning. To those of you who believe and have been holding back and trying to be secret Christians, I guess, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. And he's saying to you, come out of the darkness, come into the light. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.